one. We're going to talk this morning about the power of praise again. We've been. This is our fourth service to talk about the power of praise. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't want praise to be lost to this generation. Um, when we first got into the charismatic movement back in 1980 and got baptized in the Holy Ghost, we were raised Baptist and were good Baptist. Man, my husband was adult Sunday school men's teacher, and I was uh, young men's adult Sunday school, and I was the assistant Sunday school superintendent, and we were the kind that were there every time the doors were opened. Hallelujah. Didn't know a lot, but we were there. And uh, But uh, in 1980, through supernatural circumstances, God ordained and arranged and, and made opportunity for us to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, changed our life. Hallelujah. Hit the ground running, have been fired up and turned on ever since. Amen. Three weeks later, is having a Bible study in our home to the dismay of the deacons in the Baptist church. <laughs> but you know, there was no churches to go to then. In 1980, there was no spirit-filled churches. There was not like there was Pentecostal Assembly of God in our town. And uh, it wasn't long before we ended up there and stayed there a couple of years and let the, the people loved us and we loved the people. But um, uh, God then moved us into pastoring before we knew anything. In 1982, thrust us into the ministry, into pastoring in a, a, a new work that had started in Seminole, Texas, which was just 18 miles away. And we pastored there for nearly 14 years, then moved here, uh, actually moved to Birmingham, traveled for a year and a half, and then came here and started Word of Life Church in 1997. And uh, plowing ground in Tuscaloosa County with the word of faith, Amen. The word of faith, hallelujah, is what we preach. Hallelujah. Psalm 34, verse 1, are you there? I don't know why I gave you the history, but there it was. Hallelujah. <laughs> that wasn't all of it. It would take a long time to give you all the history. Psalm 34, 1. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. But I've shared this before, and I'll mention it again. The thing that really put the hook in our mouth and brought us into the Spirit-filled life is when we began to hear people praise God because we'd never heard anything more than a hymn. And my grandmother invited some folks down from Roscoe, Texas to give their testimony. They played the guitar, sang scripture songs and we thought the songs were awesome and beautiful but what really hooked us was they would just in walking down the hall just walk and would say praise the Lord thank you Jesus hallelujah just lift their hands just walking down the hall of the house you know and just in the process of life just praising God and I was like never heard anybody say praise the Lord in my whole life before had never heard hallelujah said except in a hymn and never heard said anybody say thank you Jesus didn't know we really had anything to thank him for really we were saved I mean I was saved since I was 10 but it just really grabbed a hold of me in my heart, made me want what they had. And so we got baptized in the Holy Ghost and <clears throat> hallelujah. And it caused quite a stir in our little town of 2,500 people in Texas. And they're still stirring about it. They're still talking about us. I told my mother, uh, let's see, that was 1982. She still lives there. And they're still gossiping and talking about Michael and Debbie Billings. I said, man, nothing has happened in 30 years to give them something else to talk about in that town. We hadn't even lived there since 82. And... Uh, uh, <laughs> Hallelujah! And what? But we got yeah. We baptized the whole since 1980. They've been they've been talking about us and gossiping about us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, they got a good topic. Amen. <laughs> uh, so praise is the key to the abundant life. 
In John 10, 10, Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, praise is one of the keys that causes us to enter in and experience the abundant life. You know, there are no victorious Christians apart from praise. Not consistently victorious. Sometimes praise is the only way out of the trials of life. Sometimes when you've done all you know to do, you've prayed all you know to pray, you've stood and done all you know, praise is the only thing left. It's the only way out. Praise affects the believer. When I praise, it affects me. It changes me. It gives me a different, well, we'll see some things it does for us in a minute. Praise affects the devil. We saw that in weeks past, That uh, how it steals the avenger. Actually, when we begin to praise God, I believe he gets out of there. And I know the Bible says he shuts up. It steals the avenger. He, it makes him powerless. It renders him helpless. He hates for us to praise God. He works against us praising God. He tries to get us not to praise God. He wants the praise. And if we, if we won't praise him, at least just stand there and don't do anything. That's his thinking. Amen. Praise affects God. It not only affects the believer and affects the devil. Praise affects God. Hallelujah. You know when your kids begin to tell you how much they love you and how how wonderful a parent you are which that's rare I realize but when that does happen does it not affect you I know when Carter our little grandson says thank nanny I love you I mean he could just ask for the world right after that when he's grateful and thankful for things you know we bought him a little a um, yeah, it was a John Deere Gator, you know, with the motorized. We bought him that for Christmas. And uh, just driving down the road the other day, just in the car, he was riding in the back seat in his car seat. And he said, Paul, I really like that truck you got me. And when he, I mean, it's like, just make out your list for next year, Carter. You know, because, you know, you know, it moves us. It moves our heart. And God is like us. He made us like him, maybe is a better way to say it. But it moves his heart when we praise him. Amen. Hallelujah. And it's not just, you know, praise is not just a good sermon topic that I have here for today. It would be just a good one. But, you know, praise is a specific word for this church, for this hour, for this time, for this summer. The Lord spoke to us that this summer would be a time of praise. Last year, the word for the summer was take every opportunity to pray. And we did that all summer. But this summer, the word of the Lord is that this is going to be a summer of praise. And that praise is part of the catalyst, not all of it but part of the catalyst that's going to put us into what the prophet said about 2004, that it would be a year of more. Actually, one of them said be a year of fullness, where we see the fullness of all the ministry gifts, all the gifts of the Spirit. And so praise is one of the catalysts that God is going to get us into that. So hallelujah, hallelujah. We'll experience new levels of praise in 2004, already are, by the way. We'll have new levels of victory because of the praise that we enter into. Amen. This morning I want to give you 10 specific things that praise will do for your Christian walk. Now I've given you some benefits and stuff before and last week we studied about the seven Hebrew words for praise which I had not heard taught since I first came into the charismatic movement. We used to hear things taught about praise and how to praise God. But in years I haven't heard that taught and I don't want it to be lost to these to this generation. So we studied about the halal and the uh, all of those all remember now, don't you? Hallelujah. You may not remember the words, but you remember. And so I just want to give you a little test this morning for those of you that were here. How many of you know what lifting hands signifies or means? Can somebody help me here? Huh? 
Complete surrender, total trust. That was, okay, what about lifting the right hand, the extending of the right hand? Uh, covenant symbolizes covenant and symbolizes I agree with what you say. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, do y'all remember that now? Am I getting you? Oh, y'all remember? Y'all, you were in Cottondale. She's like, huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, some of them were in Cottondale. You know, we're rotating and doing some Cottondale things. So not everybody was here last week. I know Eric wasn't here or he would remember because he's my, you know, so he's the son of my right hand here. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, um, but anyway, the, the extended hand is uh, symbolic of covenant and uh, says, I agree with what you say. And the Todah, which speaks of the extended hand, was actually the Jews knew that you praised God before you saw what you were believing for. And they said there's great miracle power in the Todah, the extended hand, and thanking God and praising Him before you see what you've believed for. And so that just sounds like faith to me, doesn't it, you? Amen. Ten specific things that will praise will do for your Christian walk. Number one, praise gives us a heavenly perspective. Hallelujah. How many of you think we ought to have a heavenly perspective versus an earthly perspective? And we know what is heaven's perspective? Well, heaven's perspective is always victory. Heaven's perspective is that Jesus Christ already won. It's already done. You, before you ever see the problem, you already won. Before you ever pray, you already have the yay and the amen. Amen. It's done. Hallelujah. I've already won. Turn to 2 Corinthians, and I want to look at this a minute, because Paul had a heavenly perspective. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul had a heavenly perspective in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I tell you what, this old world... It's not much worth anything. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're just passing through. We're not even citizens. We're, uh, we're citizens of another kingdom. We're just aliens here. You know, they say, people, do you believe in aliens? Yeah, you're one. You're an alien in the, of the earth. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's the kind we believe in. Amen. Glory to God. Okay, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He's talking about his afflictions, and he's calling his afflictions light afflictions. He had an eternal perspective or a heavenly perspective. Turn to 2 2 Corinthians 11, and I want us to see some of Paul's light afflictions and what he calls light. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 20. For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. Paul says these kind of things are light afflictions. And then down in verse 23, he said, Are they ministers of God of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. 
thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings, often in cold and nakedness. And then he goes on there. But here in Paul, we see some of the things that Paul suffered, and he said, but our light affliction. But our light affliction. See, when you praise God, you begin to see a heavenly perspective. You begin to see a perspective of eternal glory instead of just an earthly perspective. You know, God did not promise us a rose garden down here. In fact, Jesus said, in the world you'll have tribulations. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. He didn't promise us, as Brother Hagin says, flowery beds of ease. He did not promise us that. And there is this is a war. We need to remember that this is a war down here. This is a clash. There is a clash in the spirit realm between good and evil. And in war, there's going to be crisis. In war, there's going to be uh, uh, casualties. In war, there will be conflict. But what God did promise us, if we would stick with it, we would always win. We would always win. And we have to keep, in order to win, we have to keep a heavenly perspective. And we do that by praising God. You know, in Thessalonians Thessalonians it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Always means always. Always means when the trial is heavy, you rejoice. When you're happy, you rejoice. When things are going good, you rejoice. But when things are not so good, you rejoice. And so it gives us a heavenly perspective. Praise causes us to choose life. That's number two. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, I'll turn there real quickly. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. You know, we have a test, but he said, I'm going to set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. But then he gives us the answer. It's a no-brainer. Choose life. Amen? Choosing life. One of the ways we choose life is by praising God throughout whatever situation we're confronted with. You know, pouting's not choosing life. Depression is not choosing life. And we do have a choice. Psychology teaches us that if you feel depressed, that you have to receive that. You have to accept it. You're not responsible. It's caused by something else. Probably your parents. (laughs) Hallelujah. Psychology likes to blame, put blame on somebody. But that's not the truth. We choose depression. We choose to take the thoughts. Just because you have a depressing thought or a depressed feeling, you don't have to choose it. You don't have to walk in it. You can choose life. You can choose to praise God. You can choose to ignore that depressing thought, ignore that discouragement. So praise is choosing life. Number three, praise keeps us in balance. The devil is always trying to throw us off balance. Always he tries to get the Christian off balance. Praise keeps us in about in balance. Uh, in a trial, when you're going through a trial, it's real easy to lose your perspective on life. It's real easy to get out of perspective. But praise keeps us in balance. When the pressures of life start to crush in on us and we begin to feel pressure, if we will praise God, the pressure from the inside will build up and it's called, it, it will equalize the pressure or even exceed the pressure that's from the outside. 
I don't know a lot about physics and everything, but I do know that uh, if you take a can and you heat it up to, a, I don't know what temperature, but really hot, and if you heat this can up really hot, and then you put a lid on the can after it's heated up really hot, the pressure, there will be a, a vacuum created on the inside, and you can literally crush a, uh, a metal can. It will just sit there and crumple and crush itself from the pressure of the atmospheric pressure of the outside. Boy, y'all didn't know I was this smart. I know my kids are like, I don't believe this. She doesn't know anything. <laughs> I read this. Hallelujah. But anyway, uh, it will crush that can, the atmospheric pressure from the outside. Now we have pressure from the enemy coming on us as a Christian all the time. We've got to have something on the inside of us to, to balance that pressure out and even exceed it. Hallelujah. Or the pressures of life will crush us with depression and discouragement. Hallelujah. Because they are out there. You know, you can listen to the news today and find plenty of things to be discouraged about. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, number four. Praise keeps us from being self-centered. You know, worry makes us look inward. You know, when you start worrying and thinking about yourself all the time, how many of you know you're in trouble if you're thinking about yourself all the time? You're fixing to be in a downward spiral. And uh, uh, worry makes us look inward. It makes us think about ourselves, our problems, our circumstances. But praise, praise uh, keeps us from being self-centered. The fifth thing that praise does for our Christian walk is it gives us an eternal perspective. Now, we talked about a heavenly perspective, thinking about the glories of heaven, the goodness of heaven, the goodness of God. But I want to talk now about having an eternal perspective. In other words, how many of you realize eternity is forever? How many of you realize eternity is for a long, long time? How many of you realize that the little trial that you have today that lasts 30 minutes could be blowed out of proportion? Do you know what I'm saying? I know one time as a new pastor's wife back in Texas, and this had been a long years ago, probably about 1984 or something like that. Well, I remember one Sunday morning, we weren't going to have a piano player. The piano player had said, I'm not going to be able to be there this morning. And I don't know, I don't know, I guess we were going to sing a cappella or whatever. But I remember being so upset, so, uh, uh, you know, like, oh my God, you know, what are we going to do? This is horrible. We're just going to have yucky music this morning. And, 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 you know, and the Holy Spirit spoke in my heart. And I heard him and he said, Debbie, this is just one day in all eternity. And if you think about it, it wasn't even one day. It was just... Just what? What does praise last? 15 minutes. This is just 15 minutes in all eternity. We've got to get a grip on ourselves, you know, because a lot of times we do that in traffic. We, you know, we stress ourselves out in traffic over a 15-minute delay or something. You know, we can get really bent out of shape over something that is not eternally, being eternally minded. Uh, and let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, 17 again concerning that. And he said there, and he said in that same verse that we were looking at, he said, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. That is important that we see eternity that way. Mm, hallelujah. 417, is it 417? For our lie, I said five, but it's four. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment. 
You know, you know, sometimes we think 10 years, oh my, that's so horrible, that's so long. But you know it's not. And it's certainly not long in the light of all eternity. It's but for a moment. So we look at situations in light of eternity. And we find out sometimes that big problems aren't really big problems. We find out things that are just temporary. We find out that, thing, that things pass. Things change. You know, uh, we find that uh, what, what we don't like about today, that'll be okay. It'll change. It's changing. Amen. Also, we find out, and we need to get this perspective, God's grace is sufficient for me. to, to, to uh, God, your grace is sufficient for me in this. God, your grace is sufficient for me to overcome this, to have victory in this. And if we would launch out immediately thanking God for your grace. God, thank you, Lord, for your grace. And you're sufficient for me in this. Amen. Number six, praise enables us to look at the unseen. See, when we begin to praise a God who you can't see, it gets our focus off of the seen and onto the unseen. Verse 18 there, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. Or another likes words, just like we said. I think the Amplified says, fleeting and passing away. The things which are seen are temporary, temporary, fleeting and passing away. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And so praise enables us to look at what is unseen. A lot of times, you know, we're looking at the wrong thing. We're just looking at the wrong time. You know, every time you see the devil doing something, God is at work. God doesn't ever just let the devil go out there and raise Cain or however you want to say it and him not do anything. And you may not see what the God's doing, but God is always in that situation working. I know I was thinking about 911 and you know you we saw the devil do some things but God was at work and God was at work ahead of him. God was working ahead of schedule. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I heard a man say, this is interesting. I'll just give this to you extra. A minister say this, and I, I bore witness. He said we could have probably stopped all of those planes from going into the uh, World Trade Center, like they did the one that was headed for the Capitol, and the Pentagon, had Americans not been taught by our government to be passive. We have been taught by our government that when a plane was hijacked, just let them hijack it, just don't do anything, just sit there, let them hijack the plane, they'll land you in Cuba, they'll get you off the plane, you know, don't do anything. And that's what we had been taught. Because there was enough people on those planes had Americans been taught like they are now, rise up. See, we never dreamed they'd fly us into the World Trade Center and kill us, or those people would have rose up. But we've been taught be passive, which is totally not Bible to be passive. And one plane did rise up, and even though they lost their lives, they saved, well, much grief for a nation had it struck our capital and what, you know, they saved much. Hallelujah. But if all three planes had risen up, we might have had some crashed planes, but we probably wouldn't had what we had. But we had been taught be passive. 
well, we're not being passive as Christians anymore. And when the devil does something, God is at work. Um, hallelujah. When we, when the devil throws a rock, hallelujah, at us, hallelujah, we need to get a victory mentality. God's on my side. He's at work in the unseen. I'll step over this thing. I'll throw it out of my path. I'll do something, but I'll win in this situation, devil, and not have a defeated, layback attitude. Number seven, praise focuses us on the promises of God. Did you know the promises of God are not nullified because you suddenly have a problem? That's why we go to church. That's why we go to Sunday school. All these years we've gotten the promises of God on the inside of us and they're in there for something. They're not in there to say, uh-oh, that must not be true because here, look what the devil threw at me. No, the promises of God don't get nullified because the doctor says you have cancer or the doctor says, no, hallelujah, that's what they're in you for is for you to rise up, hallelujah, and you rise up and praise, hallelujah. It focuses you on the promise because Jehovah Jireh, the whole meaning of his name, Jehovah Jireh, means the God that looks ahead and makes provision and he's already looked ahead. He's already factored in all the things that would come against you. He's already factored in all the problems of life. He's already factored in all the lies that the, he's factored all of that in and he's all the mistakes you'd make he factored those in too he didn't go oh my she goofed and uh i don't know what i'm gonna do i gotta figure out a plan to help her get out of this no in that jeremiah 20 11, 9, 11 he says i know the plans i thoughts that i have for you are the plans the niv says the plans for you the thoughts that I have for you to give you a future and a hope. In that plan he factored in all the mistakes you would make. All the things the devil would throw in your path and he made a way. He made a way out. He made a way to triumph. He, he has a he, there's a way in the wilderness. He, he didn't come up when Moses walked up to the Red Sea and say my Lord we're going to have to do something to get these Israelites across this sea because the Egyptians are coming. No the Bible's the living Bible actually says that there was already Ready a road under the sea. He planned ahead. He planned ahead. He factored it in from the, from the beginning. And when we praise God, it gets us over off of self and off of the problem and off of the diagnosis and off, it gets us over onto the promise. And that's what the promises of God are for. The promises of God are not for heaven. Family, you don't need them there. You won't need the promises of God there. That is the flowery beds of ease when you get to heaven. Hallelujah. And you won't have any, uh, the, you know, some people said, well, Psalm 23, that's talking about heaven. But uh, you know where it, said, it says Psalm 23 is talking about heaven. But Psalm 23 can't be heaven because he said he made a table for us in the presence of our enemies and there are no enemies in heaven. Psalm 23 is talking about the spirit-filled abundant life right now. We have a table before us in the presence of our enemies. We can praise him. I won't care you if the devil is right up your nose. You praise God. Amen. Amen. I like what Keith Moore said. He said, if the devil has you down on the floor, has his foot on your neck, you say, I'm winning. Because you are. You're winning. 
Amen. And you may feel like you're losing right now, but you're not. You're winning because the devil is not omnipresent or omniscient and he doesn't know the future. He's just gambling. But God knows the future and he factored in everything ahead of time. If you've been divorced three times, he still has plan Z or whatever. I mean, he does. He factored it all in, folks. He did. And he's not surprised or even really disappointed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you know what else? As we praise and we focus on the promises of God, it's that promise that pulls us through. It's the promise that you praise God and you focus on that pulls you through the situation you're in. Number eight, praise sets our minds on the things above. Hallelujah. Um, Proverbs 23, 7 says something pretty important that we need to have understanding in. It says, uh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, if you think discouraging thoughts, you're going to be discouraged. Because as you think in your heart, so you'll be. If, and you know, and then sometimes we wonder, I don't know why I'm so discouraged. Well, you're discouraged because you're thinking discouraging thoughts. In fact, you can't get discouraged without thinking discouraging thoughts. You can't get there without thinking discouraging thoughts. I, I, if you think depressing thoughts, you'll be depressed. But if you think on the things above, you'll be blessed. If you think on the things above, you'll be blessed. I think sometimes we need to be a little bit more like Scarlett O'Hara. I don't know if any of you are like Gone with the Wind fans, but you know when Rhett didn't, wouldn't take her back, y'all are looking at me like a dog with a new pan, and y'all are, in the, y'all are born and raised in the deep south. <laughs> and here I'm a transplant from the kind of the south. Texas is south. You know, we were with the Confederates, we army. We're, y'all, y'all don't even know that. Okay, okay. Well, I'm not a Yankee. Let's put it that. I'm just kidding. But anyway, Scarlett O'Hara, when Rhett wouldn't take her back, she said, "I'm just not going to think about that right now. I just want. I'll just think about that another time, another day. Y'all, y'all go check it out and watch that movie. Hallelujah. Get acquainted with your roots. Thank you, Jesus. But we need to do that sometimes and just think on the things above. Yeah, you got a problem. Well, why don't you just not think about that right now? And think on the things. Now, that don't mean you just like go off and don't think about anything, but you think on the promises of God. You think on the things that are eternal. You think on the things that are above. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus was a happy person. Hallelujah. You know, we look at pictures of Jesus sometimes. And if you go by, I don't really like pictures of Jesus to tell you the truth because I don't think they're very true renderings. Because Jesus was a happy person. In Psalm 45, 7, he says, uh, God thy God hath anointed with thee, the, thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. He was happier than all the people around him because he was thinking on the things that were above And he knew he was going to go to the cross. He knew the things that he was going to bear. But he thought on the things above instead of on the things that are below. Number nine, praise is proof that we are in faith. Hallelujah. It's one of the proofs that we're in faith. Colossians chapter 2. I guess you could praise and not be in faith, but I'll tell you one thing for sure. If you're in faith, you are praising. Colossians 2 verse 6. A lot of times people, oh, I'm believing God, but they look like they ate a sour pickle. 
I'm believing God, but they're depressed and cast down. Well, you aren't believing God, or I mean, you may be trusting God somehow is going to help and work it out, but you have not, you're not in faith about the promises of God. Bless God, I'm conquering. I'm more than a conqueror here. Hallelujah. You know, if we're abounding in faith, we'll be abounding in thanksgiving. Look at this in Colossians 2, 6. It says, uh, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Established in the faith, abounding with thanksgiving. Established in the faith, abounding with thanksgiving, or rejoicing, or praise, you could say. All of those uh, are included in thanksgiving. Hallelujah. If we're abounding in faith, we'll be abounding in thanksgiving. Anytime we're in faith, praise is going to be a major part of that. No faith is complete without thanksgiving. Why? Because the moment, the moment something becomes real to you, the moment anything becomes real to you, some sort of praise is going to bubble up out of you. The moment the promise of God becomes real in your heart, you know that you know, well, praise will bubble up out of you. Hallelujah. One of the highest forms of faith is when the moment we see the problem, we begin to praise God. The moment we see a need or the moment we see a problem, we don't we don't have some sort of little breakdown first and then turn to God. You know you've got an established heart when you don't when you're when your heart does not fear. When you, you when your first reaction is not fear but your first reaction is praise God, hallelujah. You know, I used to didn't understand this. I'd listen to brother Hagen tapes and he would say when Pat and Ken, his children would get sick when they were little and he they'd maybe they'd have a temperature of 104. Now, when my kids got a temperature, I was like, "Oh God, oh no. Oh no, we can't face this right now. Oh God, you know, I can't, don't want to go to the doctor, can't afford to go to the doctor. Uh, you know, this was back many years ago. Uh, my first reaction was not, not his. His first reaction was, oh, praise God, another opportunity to see that God is victorious. You know your heart's established. You know you begin to mature when your first reaction is not, oh, God, oh, no, please not now. We can't handle this now. I've got to go to work tomorrow. I don't have any more sick days. Oh, God, you know, you know, you know you're not there yet until your first reaction. When you, like Pastor says, Pastor Billing says, when you get a letter from the IRS, your first reaction is, oh, no, you know you're not there yet. If your first reaction is, oh, praise God, it don't matter what they say. My God supplies all my need according to His riches in glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So praise is a high level of faith. It's a high level of maturity when we begin to praise God. Hallelujah. Number 10, praise forces us to put our attention on God. Hebrews 12, 2. Hallelujah. Well, actually, I'm going to look at Romans 4, 19 first. And then we'll go to Hebrews 12, 2. Romans 4, 19. Is, Romans 4, verse 16, is all about the faith, uh, starting in verse 16, is all about the faith of Abraham and how in his faith walk of believing for a, a son, and, you know, God had given him the promise of Isaac and so forth, and his faith walk of that. And it says... Um, in verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. 
Now, you could just stop right there. It says he considered not his own body now dead. But he considered not his own body. When you get in a walk of faith concerning healing, the thing you've got to do is to be like Abraham is consider not your own body. Now, that is takes a mature level of faith. And I tell you, there's only one way to get your eyes off of your body, and that's to start praising God. Hallelujah. Get your eyes upon the promises. Get your eyes upon the unseen realm because the things that are seen are temporary, fleeting, and passing away. Remember? And he, so Abraham got his eyes on something else. And let's look in uh, uh, Hebrews 12, 2, and we'll see. Uh, see a couple of things there. Hebrews 12, 2. I like that those first verse those first words of Hebrews 12:2 looking unto Jesus looking unto Jesus see there's something God has given us to put our eyes upon and it is Jesus it is the promises of his word that God has given us to put our eyes upon now we can say consider not his own body we could put anything in that blank we could say consider not his own checkbook consider not his own bank account consider not his own wallet we could say whatever the faith trial is that you're in consider not that consider not what the doctor said consider not what the lawyer said amen consider not his own body looking unto Jesus Hebrews 12 to the author and the finishers our faith and then in verse 3 if we are to consider not our own body, what are we to consider? Verse 3, for consider him. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Consider not our own body. What are we supposed to consider? Consider him. And so as we praise, it forces us to get our attention on God. It gets our attention off of the problem. Did you know that doubt and unbelief come... You may wonder, how how did I get any doubt and unbelief I have? It came from considering other things that rather than the Word of God. That's how you got it. Now, you, you know, you may have listened to it a lot all your life because mama or daddy may have considered other things rather than the Word of God. And so you may have it in there. You know, some people got doubt and unbelief, good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. Hallelujah. But you can root every bit of it out with the Word of God. Amen. And for sure, family, let's don't put any more in. Let's quit considering those things and start considering Him. Amen. Uh, we're closing this morning, but I just wanted to say this as we close. In Isaiah 119, I want to close with this. I believe the Lord wants me to talk about this scripture just a second. Isaiah 119, really one of my favorite scriptures. And when it comes to praise and worship, you know you have a choice. Actually, when it comes to anything, you have a choice. God won't make you get saved. God won't make you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. God won't make you go to church. And God won't make you tithe. He won't make you do anything. You don't, you know. And we have a choice. But he gives us a real special promise here in Isaiah 1.19. And he said, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. I've been just rejoicing over this verse. I mean, I was sitting in my house the other day and it just welled up in me. I'm eating the good of the land. This is the good of the land. I didn't, and this is not because I'm so smart or so anointed or so dedicated. This is only for one thing, from just being obedient and being willing. 
And you know, we choose both of those. And we can be obedient without being willing. And when it comes to praise, we can be obedient but not have a willing heart. How many of you think it wouldn't count? God always goes by the heart, don't he? Amen. Or we could be willing but, you know, have willing hearts but just never get around to being obedient. Amen. But when you want to eat the good of the land, then you have to be both obedient and you have to be willing. Well, you know, it's real easy to get unwilling and be going through motions. Amen. I was sitting about a month ago. I had a, it was Wednesday, and I just had this little, uh, tonight's Wednesday, uh, come over me, you know. And so I just said, no, but you know, I just took a minute. And I said, now, wait a minute. And I just looked in my heart, and I said, now, what is this? Why am I having this, like, unwillingness, I don't want to go to church thing come at me? And I just looked at my heart and I said, okay, what do you want to do tonight? It was like, nothing. I couldn't think of anything I wanted to do. Like, oh, I wish I could go do this instead. Nothing. I said, well, now, really, do you not want to go? And I thought, no, I I really want to go hear about Revelation. No, I'm excited about that. And, you know, I realized that that little unwilling thought, it didn't come from me. That wasn't my heart. When I got down and examined, that wasn't my heart. I wanted to come hear Revelation. I was excited about it, really and truly. And, you know, I didn't have anything. There's nothing on TV on Wednesday night. There's nothing I wanted to do. Instead, you know what? That that feeling of unwillingness was coming to me from an outside source. It was coming from an outside source, and I just said, "I make that. A, I get rid of that. I am willing and obedient." You know, family, we we make the decisions here. God won't make you willing. He won't make you obedient. And when it comes to praise, He won't make you praise Him. There's lots of benefits. We've talked about them for four services now. There's lots of benefits to praising God. Your victory is all tied up in your praising Him and the expression of your praise. And we've looked at all the scriptural ways to praise Him. But it's really up to you, isn't it? And if you're willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land here in Tuscaloosa County. Amen. Let's stand up together this morning. Hallelujah.